Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Hammer at Home with me, Baz Dubois. I want to start by thanking everyone who has emailed me at hammerathome at network10.com.au. You know, I read every single message and I really appreciate them. Now, I've got a fascinating guest joining me today. Her name is Kate Peck, or Katie as I call her. In a little bit, Kate is going to share a few stories from her wildly interesting career, including some anecdotes about her time as a model. It was fun, but it was like, it was wild. That's coming up on Hammer at Home. Well, she's not just beautiful, she's not just an RPM presenter, she's into a wine, but she's also a great friend of mine, Kate Peck. G'day, Thanks for coming. Pleasure. How much fun do we have when we get together? Oh, we yeah, well, we're into the same things, you know. We like a joyous life and we like cars and motorbikes and um, and having a good chat and a laugh and boating as well. I was on your boat in Turkey. That's it, name yeah. dropper. Yeah, I know, I can't help myself. <laughs> but that's now. What were you like as a kid, Kate? Oh, um, as a kid, I think I was a bit of a brat. Um, I don't recall loving school. I don't think I was that good at sport. I think I was okay at netball. Um, loved animals. Um, I don't think I was exceptional in any in any way. Maybe I was kind of cute. Mm. Um, cute as a button. Can't reckon. can't confirm or deny. Yeah, so. That that was that was me as a kid. What sort of hobbies did you have? I mean, how did you get into all the things you're into now? You love your bikes, uh, you love cars. Were you a bit of a tomboy? Um, I think I was a little bit of a tomboy. I did enjoy a Barbie or two. Uh, I liked being outdoors. I don't ever remember being into into motorbikes or anything. Uh, I was kind of like just hanging in the middle. I wasn't really one way or the other. Um, I wasn't rocking out in frilly dresses, but I wasn't just in overalls either. Okay, so you weren't in frilly dresses, uh, but you ended up as a model. You weren't into cars and motorbikes, but you end up a bit of a, an RPM presenter and you love your bikes. When, when did the transition happen? Oh, I think it happened after school. Um, after school, I think, is when I've kind of found my groove. I wasn't quite sure what was going on during school. Um, so, yeah, I think I think once I got out there and started, you know, the independent life post, um, post school is when it started to happen. And, and it was more for I, I got into motorbikes because I had to ride a scooter in Melbourne, uh, in Sydney for my um, to get to my modeling gigs because I didn't have I didn't have my car license. Uh, so which is weird, you would think that I would have already had my car license. But um, I just had nobody to, to take me around and driving. So anyway, I got my scooter license. My dad was already massive into motorbikes. That's mm-hmm. been a constant f- forever. Um, and then I realized, wow, I really quite enjoy this. It was really terrifying to start. But God, 
once I got the gist of it, motorbikes were just everything. And then I went to Africa, and um, and then that was a real that was a real turning point. That was um, I was like, right, this is this is what I want to be doing. Something. This is the adventure life that I want to lead. I want to talk about Africa, but I want to find out a little bit more about that. You said your dad was into bikes. That was a constant in your life. Uh, do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I've got a brother, um, and I've got I've got a few ex stepsisters. Uh-huh. So um, the parents have been married a few times over. I've got lots of lots of parents. Uh, so I've got three ex stepsisters and one one full brother. And are they models and motorbike riders and wine connoisseurs? My as brother well? is a, an actor, uh-huh. um, and he manages a doggy daycare. He just moved to Vancouver. Uh, he used to be into bikes, but then he decided that he needed his face for acting. So he thought the motorbike riding was too dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't he doesn't really ride anymore these days. It's and he became a bit worried, like just neurotic. Well, not neurotic. Probably fair enough reason because you could die um every day that you're out on your motorbike but yeah he got worried about um about having an accident and and once you start thinking about that it does play over in your mind and you totally freak yourself out and then and then you think you're going to die and you have to get off a motorbike. So, mm. yeah. But you'd turn up for modelling gigs on a bike, so you weren't as concerned. You were more adventurous. Yeah, I just – well, I had to I had to get around to my gigs, so uh, so I had to get around somehow. And so I'd, t- I'd head out on my bike and I'd find a pub near the casting or whatever. So I'd go into the pub and I'd put my high heels on and I'd put on a nice, like, frock or something and take off my leathers and then, you know, clutter or clopper on into the um into the casting and pretend like I hadn't just taken a helmet off and um and try and wow them with a fantastical personality and then get back into the pub and uh do my changeover and head back out on the bike love it tell me this uh you're a model uh your body your face everything is important to that of course what did the the brands that you were facing uh that that you ambassadored for what did they think about the fact you were getting around on motorbikes and stuff like that i think they've always just thought it's pretty cool um no one's ever said you shouldn't really be riding um besides you know family obviously uh and but it's it's something that kind of sets me apart than your standard you know there's it was a diamond dozen models you know there's millions of, of good looking young girls um so i it's just something something different and everybody everybody loved it i i can't really think of anybody who was like you shouldn't and can't be riding motorcycles because you might lose a leg mm. Mm, yeah no maya was all right as well yeah no everyone's been pretty pretty sweet hey tell me this you said that there's uh, millions of uh, young girls models out there uh, there are millions more that want to be models how'd you get into modeling I did a competition when I was uh, 15 or 16 called Search for a Supermodel and uh, that was really a really nice experience. It was before the days of um, Next Top Model where they pitch the girls against each other and they make them cry and they make them do all this awful stuff that you didn't have to rock up to a modeling gig and have spiders walk over your face like that yeah. just doesn't happen like like they'd make them do awful things that some of the stuff would happen in modeling like there's some pretty wild stuff that goes on but a lot of it was just for pure entertainment of these poor little girls so i was really lucky that i got in in a very uh, nice way. Uh, I didn't have to tear anyone's hair out or <laughs> punch any small young girl or <laughs> yeah, mm. no, no fingernails. So yeah, I was I was lucky. 
But you would if you had to. Oh, for sure. Uh, like, you know, it's, uh, if, there's, if I have to, you know, Baz, I will do anything to get what I need. <laughs> <laughs> I know you only mean good things with that as well. But tell me this, who, who have you been the face of? And, and, and talk to me a little bit about your modelling career. Yeah, so I um, I was modelling while I was in school, um, which was good because, well, I, it wasn't good because I was missing out on class, but I was able to um, contribute to my schooling, so with, uh, with cash. Uh, so that was that was good. Um, and I, um, yeah, I, I think my first big gig was Vogue. Um, they flew me up to Sydney. So then I kind of got a taste for it. Then I really enjoyed that. And then from there, I, uh, Probably another big gig was Maya here. Mm. Um, Vogue and Maya, yeah, I, they sound like pretty big gigs. Yeah, to me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were they were they were great. Maya Ambassador was a fantastic one. Um, I mean, I was overseas in New York for um, for a long time, so I um, worked with Alexander Wang and Bill Bass and and a lot of big brands over there. How, how much fun was that? Oh, that was awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, it was fun, but it was like it was wild. I uh, never really had much money. Uh, I'd always have to get stuff for free. Like I'd go to the, there'd be promoters and stuff at clubs. Uh, and so if you went out, to, if you went to the clubs that they were promoting at, you'd get to go out for dinner first. So that, so, so, um, so that's like how I would have dinner for a lot of the nights because that's how you'd get free dinner. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was. It's a, it's a crazy, crazy world modeling, and so. Yeah, you just you just become very resourceful, and um, yeah, you just do your best to your best. get by. Was yeah. mum and dad excited about that when you decided uh, that you were going to get into modelling? Um, dad, I don't think he he cared either way. My parents were separated by then, um, but mum, yeah, mum used to be a model, so she was uh, she kind of gets it. Uh, what she didn't get was that we were pretty much paid the same amount of money that she was when she was younger. Um, and she just didn't understand why I had to work for free so often because you've got to build a portfolio and et cetera, et cetera. So um, there's a lot there's a lot that goes into modelling that people don't actually realise. Um, and although the, you do see the glamorous side, it's not definitely not all that, that okay. glamorous. Yeah. Let's look at that then. What's what's the worst thing about modelling? Uh, you're just a glorified coat hanger. It's, um, it, it's very frustrating and um i guess it's it's a time and a place in your life though so when you get a little bit older you just don't want to be treated as a glorified clothes hanger and poked and prodded and um and you know they they just don't really treat you as a as a human Mm. all that often um now i think models rights are um are becoming a bit more important but really like nobody really cared if the model was okay unless unless of course you know that was a really big supermodel but you know you'd be freezing or boiling hot a lot of girls would get i remember one time i think um a hairdryer was dropped in a bath and the model was electrocuted no yeah so, so that's kind of stuff would happen all the time you get burnt by hair hair wands and um you get like zippered into dresses and you'd start bleeding because they get your skin and um in the, by the end of a fashion parade like a week of fashion shows your feet would just be chunks falling off because of the shoes would just be so bad um you weren't really there was a lot of shoots that you'd go on that where there wouldn't really be any food um mm. but then there were some good ones of course but um 
Yeah, you're kind of down down the rung, the pecking order as such. Has modelling, in your opinion, changed uh, since you started out? Is it a better place for for someone to be now, please? Yeah, I think so. I think very much with the Me Too movement as well, models probably have a lot more... Um, a lot more big, bigger voice um, than what they used to. Uh, not to say that I was ever in any bad situations, but there was for sure bad situations happening. I think it's sometimes it's time and place and luck mm. and um, and who you end up working with. But um, I think that now everybody's a lot more sensitive to it. I think there are a few model unions out there as well because models don't really have a union. They don't. They've only got their manager. And um, sometimes, well, a lot of model managers are totally useless. Um, so that, so yeah, there's not a lot of people you can kind of turn to. And there was, there would have been, you know, photographers and people that you'd work with that had reputations, but you just didn't like. You'd try and stay away from them, or you, yeah, they, it's not like they were being reprimanded or anything. Mm. Uh, which is, you know, that's just that's a slightly, you know, that's what was happening, and now people are just a bit more aware of it. I mean, for a guy with uh, he's got a seven-year-old daughter, I mean, that concerns me. Yeah, be worried. Me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, are you glad you went through all that? Do you, yeah. do you think this is a good space? I, I wouldn't get my daughter into modelling, um, but I'm glad that I did it because it showed me that there's so much more in the world than just an office job like there you can really do many many things in the creative field and it toughened me up and it created um a lot more personality in me as well it really formed me into more of a character um and i was a lot i became a lot more mature and you have to become independent quickly and you have to deal with adults at a young age um so for all of those i think it was really good but if it goes bad it can go really bad like you can if, if you end up with an eating disorder you could be screwed for life or if somebody something bad happens you can be you know screwed for life and i wouldn't mm. want my daughter to go through that but you know you can wrap them in cotton wool or whatever there's no manual so but you definitely weren't wrapped in cotton wool and i've known you for quite a while we are great friends but i see you as very streetwise very tough uh, someone to be respected feared we, feared even <laughs> uh, and, and we'll come to our celebrity motorbike race coming up in november yes. later but just for now i mean did modeling create that fierce tough girl or was that your upbringing or was it a, obviously it's had to be a combination of both yeah probably a combination of both but it did it did encourage that um it did encourage me to want to achieve things and, and to understand the value of, you know, money and, and, and seeing other people do do really well. And it was – modelling has inspired me to be more than I was, even though uh, I was probably a pretty lazy model for – for a while, but models are pretty lazy, actually. I can pretty much tie most of them with that stick. But um, these days I think they have to work a lot harder because there's a lot more competition out there. But, um, yeah, I think mum was pretty – yeah, dad dad was a bit bit more of a loose unit when I was younger. We had to be pretty tough with him. What's a loose unit? Mate? Well, more just like he didn't quite understand. Like he knew, he knew what having kids was like, but he didn't really know how to be a parent. So we'd go up and we'd visit him for um like holiday school holidays like I went and lived there for six months and he didn't quite realize that like I had to get up at certain time like I had to do my homework he didn't realize that I had to do my homework this is year six pretty so. free range dad, dad. yeah free range yeah. yeah so we'd uh one time we went into the um 
into the te- they had a parent teacher meeting and my name was all over the board and they were like wow what's Kate's name doing all over the board and the teacher was like that's for all the detention she gets because she never does her homework and they were mortified so they um yeah they made me do my homework after that but hmm. yeah just just not realizing that those are the basic kind of things that you need to do as a parent you got to force your kids to do homework so yeah I became independent when I was when hanging out with him because you know you keep up or you you get left behind yeah right yeah it's interesting I'm, maybe I'm a bit free range as well because I'm not into homework I don't like it at all for my children uh, if they want to do it I want them to do it but I, I'm definitely not forcing them to do homework I mean on you Baz mm. dad could take a leaf out of your book no <laughs> Uh, he's all right, that guy. Uh, tell me about this, though. Um, you're tough now. You've got great personality and great strength. You've ended up in TV, but you also ride motorbikes all over the world. Where's the real passion for you? Oh, like you, Baz, it's just being free. Yeah. It's just the freedom. There's nothing, there's no other feeling like it than taking off for a week and it's just you and the motorbike and there's just, and you're just detached from, nobody's calling you, nobody's talking to you, you've got your helmet on, it's just the breeze and it's just no other feeling. Mm. Like that's what I, what's, that's what we all aspire to, I think, to find that find that feeling where you're just totally just at one with the earth and mm. just it's just another just living in another world so if we can credit free range dad for that sense of freedom do we credit modeling for the reason you got into tv yeah yep because i um i tried to do a lot of other jobs i got fired from many 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 jobs um i'm not a good employee but i like working with cameras and um, i've got to i've got to go further you got fired from a lot of jobs i love that i can't imagine i can't imagine firing kate beck but how did it happen what were you working in to get fired from oh just call centers and and retail and uh, I just I just hated offices. That's the opposite to freedom. Though, yeah, it? yeah. I'm just not an office. I'm not a building person. I need to be out outside. Um, so yeah, I just I don't know. Maybe I rocked up late, or I just wouldn't rock up or <laughs> at all. I just decide this is not for me and and move on. Um, mm. So yeah, that, yeah. I just couldn't hold. I couldn't work out what I wanted to do either. So, but I just thought, look, I've been in this shit of a game for long enough i've got to got to use this somehow tv come on baby give me something give me something i love this you just didn't turn up i just couldn't <laughs> be bothered i'm not a building person if the ass falls out of tv presenting you should be a, a career counselor oh, i'm screwed <laughs> no i'm screwed i'm just praying this ass keeps in because otherwise i'm in a lot of trouble <laughs> ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Professor and the Hack. Accessible politics with just a touch of depth. I'm Hugh Rimmington. And I'm Peter Van Onselen. You can find us, The Professor and the Hack, wherever you find quality podcasts. Hey, which do you want to talk about first? I'm keen to hear about your bike tours in Asia and Africa, but I'm also keen to talk about where you started on TV. Where should we go? Uh, which um, came first? 
Probably the bike tours. The bike tours, yep. So started in Africa. So my dad rides, well, he was riding around the world with my stepmom all year, every year on their motorbike. Um, And so they invited me to Africa on uh, one of their big trips. They were riding from London through the Middle East down through all of Africa and meeting me at the bottom. Um, And so I was riding my scooter. I was around like 20 one or something um this is back and forth the modeling gigs yeah 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 so i had to learn how to ride a bigger bike really quickly and then i headed over to africa and that one that was that was me done and then mum and uh my dad and stepmom what sort of bikes are they riding from london to through the middle east yeah they've got um dad's a big fan of yamaha super tenere's particular era of them i think it's like late 90s or something but they don't they don't make them anymore like this and he's just a mad a mad super tenere fan so i was on a kawasaki klr 650 which was an awesome bike it was just a real workhorse um so that was my first um experience of adventure and freedom as such i was hooked it was like a drug what a ride how long i mean you've got the, the kawasaki you've got uh, your dad and your stepmom there how long did you ride for i was there for about two and a half months mm. um which is just stupid fun like just imagine just waking up every day not really knowing where you're going um just hitting the road might take a shortcut might take a long cut mm. it's just just wherever whatever it's just amazing it just is amazing wherever whatever which was your favorite place well, I really enjoyed South Africa because that was also the, my introduction to wine because the wineries there were exceptional. Um, so we, we rode through a lot of wineries. That was, yeah, I discovered a lot on that trip. Um, it was a, a real turning point in my life. So that was probably uh, one of my favourite trips. And then we did we did Colombia, which was pretty cool because everyone was like, oh, my God, you're going to get stabbed and killed and murdered and blah, 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 but we didn't. It was fine. Yeah, I'm the same as that. I mean, everybody says to me, as you know, I like to travel the world sailing. Oh, you can't go there, there's pirates. There's yeah. This, there's that. Everybody's got a bad story, but I'm yet to come across one. And I always say if you take your helmet off and you smile at someone, put your hand up to shake your hands, it's going to be a good session, isn't it? Yeah, well, exactly. And you know what? Weirdly, people just don't mess with you on a motorbike. Mm. Um, and they do. They like to talk to you as well. They don't talk to you if you're travelling around in a car. You don't meet anyone travelling around in a car. But if you're on a bike, people are like, where have you been? What have you been doing? Did you go here? you got all the stickers on your tanks. Where did you go there? I've been there. That was really cool. What are you riding? How long have you been on the road for? Uh, come to our place. We'll have you over for dinner. And we'd meet locals all the time. It was awesome. Mm. The thing I love about riding, just we're on that subject because I'm imagining you're riding through the Middle East and deserts, I imagine, and things like that. People that don't ride don't realise it. It's a very different view on a bike, isn't it? It's like more than a 360. It's it's a circular view. You can see the sky above you. You see the mountains up and high to your left or right. It's a very different – and the smells as well. Yeah. Very different view, isn't it? You don't want to get stuck behind a garbo truck. I tell you what, <laughs> it's the worst on a hot day. But, uh, yeah, be, and it's also like sensory as well because you're being buffeted by the wind or the sun or the cold or the snow. It's a real Really, um, it's a really exhausting experience sometimes, or really, it's a very physical experience. Mm, mm. Um, that yeah, and it can just it, like the you driving three hours or riding three hours. The end of riding three hours, 
you can be pretty exhausted. exhausted. Whereas yeah. if you're if you're driving, it's just standard. Really. I love your free spirit, Kate. I was giving you a segue there to the Himalayas. So I thought you were going to just go into a beautiful description of the mountains with oh, the yeah. snow caps and the gorgeous trees. And you there said, you don't want to get stuck behind a garbage <laughs> truck. That's shit. That's <laughs> <terrible>. <laughs> you know, I'm right though, Baz. Yeah, I do. Tell me, have you had any close calls or any really scary rides? I came off in Africa, so that was my first off as well. But that was just into a bush because I was uh, dry, riding too fast. I was hungry. Hungry, um, and I get hangry, and so <laughs> I ended up in a, in a hungry bush. model. Exactly, <laughs> we are fierce. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just ended up in a bush. But besides that, I've been touch wood, exceptionally lucky or very good. Either one, either mm. way you look at it. But um, yeah, I've never, I've never come under a, a bus or a truck or um, come off on the road badly. Um, track days, I've come off, but. They're track days, so that doesn't really matter. Mm. So, yeah. so for people who don't know, track days is where you go out specifically to ride particular bikes reasonably fast. Mm. And it's, but it's in a controlled environment. On a track, there's no cars and, and people change your lanes without looking and that sort of thing. So it's safe but fun but also a little edgy. Yeah, because I guess if you run off in the wrong spot and you hit a wall, that's probably not very good. No. Um, especially if you're really testing your limits. And people come off the bikes all the time at track days because you are trying to push and push your limits and there can be some pretty big idiots out there let's mm. be honest nice segue in november you and i are up against each other in a race you could call it a track day it's a celebrity um moto night nutcases how do you think you're gonna go oh mate i don't know they're pretty small bikes though so we could be eating our knees i'm not i'm not quite sure how how we're gonna fit onto these little bikes but uh caruso michael caruso who mm. we're also going up has ne- he's a supercar driver he's never ridden a motorbike in his life so we're gonna beat him well, let's gang up and beat him yeah make okay. sure but he's really little though baz That's i feel bad no, but he's got an advantage because i got on my uh my seven-year-olds have got a little rocking horse thing which is about the same size as the 110cc bikes that we're going to be riding so i got on that just to see my best pose you know my best zoolander look on bike without helmet i cramped up <laughs> oh god I mean, you're my, screwed my, yeah, i'm gone i mean <laughs> it's, this is there's a lot of injuries to go so i think we ne- i know caruso's little yeah okay? but he's fast and he's used to going fast we need to gang up we need to beat someone. Oh, no, I completely agree. And I'm happy to come second last. I'm going to beat you I, as well, I, though. I think you're going to beat me. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to elbow. Oh, we'll have to do some yoga or stretching for you, old man, before you get out there. I don't <laughs> want you damaged goods, I yeah. tell you what. You're used to working in a very male-dominated environment. You work on RPM uh, with Whitey and uh, all the team down there. How would you get into that? Um, well, I started uh, I started t- wanting to become a TV presenter, so I did a little course and I got um, some auditions and I got just rejected from them as um, as you do, did got rejected from so many auditions. I was just like, this is just never going to work. And then finally, um, I was the ambassador for Formula One in Melbourne and MTV spotted me there and um, gave me an audition and uh, I got the gig, which was a miracle. Um, so what was that gig? What did you do for MTV? I was a VGA, VJ for MTV, so interviewing their guests, reading the music news, entertainment, news hosting events and parties so, so and nothing stuff. really to do with motor motor racing no 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 nothing to do with motor racing it was all to do with um pop stars and uh, movie stars and 
yeah, reality TV. I've been lucky enough to uh, be a part of RPM a couple of times. And, and as a lot of people know, you and I are going through the rebuild of my F100 truck, the 75 model F100 truck. Those guys are a lot of fun, aren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah. The truck's going to look great, Baz. I'm really excited to see what that looks like in the end. Yeah. We're going to have to take it on a few adventures. But, um, yeah, and it's good that Ryobi as well has been really supportive. Love the plug. I mean, I'm putting 80 grand into a <laughs> truck that's going to be worth 50 grand. Someone should get a plug out oh, of it. Oh, I reckon. But it's going to turn it into something really beautiful. And we've never we've never um, built anything on RPM either. So mm. this is a first for... First for all, and you're actually going to come out with something in the end that you've always wanted to do. Lighter, I do that every week on the living room. I make something and come out the other end with something good. But uh, yeah, right. Get over yourself. (laughs) Get over yourself. (laughs) Something that has happened recently, and uh, and I think it's exciting. Channel Ten has got the rights to do the Melbourne Cup, and you're one of the ambassadors for that now. Yes, I am. It's going to be me in the birdcage with Scott Tweedy, Anna Heinrich, Bo Ryan, Ros Kelly, Matt White. It is going to be next level. I'm not quite sure what to expect because we haven't done it before but uh they'll be rolling out the red carpet and uh i'm glad that i'm involved well that's a fun thing i mean it's the race that stops a nation but channel 10 hasn't done it before and we do things the fun way so i reckon it's going to be great yeah we do something different and i've been going there for god since i was knee high to a grasshopper uh because i've been working with Wum quite closely um and i I know, I know how they've done it before, so it's it's really going to be interesting to see exactly how we do it and what, how we put our mark on there. And there's another layer to Kate Peck, uh, Mum Champagne, the wines. That's another level of your expertise. Tom, talk to me about it. I do. I just love wine. I don't just love drinking it. I love learning about it. So I've done my uh, my sommeliers qualifications and um, it's something that I want to work in in future. I would love to work in media and wine. I already write for uh, Delicious and um, Man of Many. So I um, take part in some of, some of their activities and I'm just really passionate about wine. I just, my eyes light up. I want to tell you everything about it. I want to tell you the grape and how, you know, who it was grown by and the region and why it tastes like this and the climate and it's i just find it really fascinating hmm. love it yeah, your eyes have just glazed over that's what happens to most people when i talk to them about wine their eyes just glaze over and they say pour me another one and shut up with all these things in your life, what's what's the future for Kate Peck? Where are we going? What's happening? Oh, I just think I'm trying to put all the fingers in many pies so that I don't end up with the ass falling out. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I don't quite know. Motorsport and wine, they're my two biggest passions. Um, and I lo- not together at the same time, obviously. <laughs> it's dangerous. Uh, but I just I love them both so much. And as long as you love what you do, you, you're always going to be happy doing it. If someone's interested in wine or motor racing, or tours in Asia, where's the best place for them to find Kate Peck and, and, and that sort of stuff? Oh, thanks, Baz. You can follow me on Instagram at Kate Peck Me. That's me. Kate Peck Me. Kate Peck Me. Thanks, Katie Peck. Thanks, Baz. Thanks for listening, guys. And again, you can get in touch with me at hammerathome at network10.com.au. But before I go, I've got a couple of shout-outs. Thanks to Owen. Now, Owen said, I could listen to Barry talk for hours. Not only does this podcast give you great DIY tips, it envisions the kind of future I hope to live in. I love that. Sustainable lives, less consumerism, more emotional awareness and community. I love that, Owen. Thanks for that. 
I also appreciate this review from Ash who says, Loving this podcast. Thanks, Ash. This podcast is like a catch-up with mates. It's the ultimate fly-on-the-wall experience just listening to Baz chat to people. It's lovely. Barry, you're a beautiful human. You're a beautiful person as well, Ash. Thank you for that. Beautiful words, everyone, and thanks for reaching out. I look forward to reading those emails again at hammerathome at network10.com.au. Take it easy, and I'll see you next time. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.